Most of the time, we review books that we really like here on The Book Boys. Other times, we review books that stink. And when a book really stinks, we get fussy. So this is a warning that sometimes we'll swear on this podcast, or sometimes the material that we're reviewing will be adult in nature. So keep that in mind as you listen to this week's episode. Hello. How's uh, how's your week been, buddy? I, I gotta say, it's pretty good. Whoa, whoa, whoa. I, uh, yeah. What I happened? Found out last, well, I found out last Friday I was being placed on furlough for at least three weeks, um, which is great. That's kind of what I wanted. Um, I have not had a proper vacation in quite some time, so I am looking forward to this three weeks of just no obligations. Uh, had a very relaxing weekend. I think my mental state is good. I'm sleeping well. I have a stack of books that I've been saving up that I never had time to read that I'm going to start tackling. It's it's good. Well, well, well. Very long walk yesterday, even though the weather was terrible. I was going to say, it wasn't a good day to walk yesterday. No, it was not a good day. I was kind of regretting it towards the end. I, I walked to the, the store. I didn't walk to the close grocery store, though. I went to the, the co-op that's a bit farther away. No, I was kind of regretting the yeah. decision to walk by the time I was getting close the last mile or so. Yeah, it's like only 20 degrees or 30 degrees out there. It's... It's still pretty darn cold, Ben. I don't know what you're thinking. Yeah, well, I was thinking, why not? You're thinking you're not afraid of death, is what you're thinking. Yeah. If it's not the virus, it's the cold that's going to get you. Who cares at this point? That's what you're yeah, saying. Nothing's, nothing's going to get me. Buy a pack of cigarettes? Yeah. Who gives a shit? Yeah, I was. I couldn't find any, but I was looking for heroin. Because <laughs> why not? I don't know. I don't know how to find heroin, though. I've never. That's never been something I've done. So I don't know where to start. But I thought, you know. If I come across some heroin, why not? Now's the time. I feel the same way about crystal meth. I don't know how to get my hands on it, but I think I really romanticize the drug. So I hear yeah. what you're saying. I mean, the movie Train Spotting, that looked fun. It looks like a lot of fun. Look at the crazy, wacky babies crawling on ceilings or crawling inside a toilet and going into a mysterious yeah. undersea world. It's looks like it's a crazy fun adventure and really funky. Yeah, so I've never really had an urge to try it before, but now that uh I'm acutely aware of my own mortality like everyone else. Like, yeah, <laughs> let's do it. That's amazing. So you took a big walk. Got those took legs stretched. So furlough. And then this morning, I, yeah, so furlough. This morning, I uh, got up right away and hopped online and applied for uh, unemployment insurance benefits, mm-hmm. um, which, you know, it's not something I ever thought I'd do in my life. Oh, I've done it before. No, I never have. And this is, you know, this is... Not something you ever think that's going to happen, I guess, but it did, and uh, it was pretty easy. I don't know why everyone's complaining. Everyone's saying they can't sign up for whatever. It took me about 10 minutes, and I was going to go, so. Do you, well, I mean, so you've never been laid off from a job? That's normally when you apply for unemployment insurance is the time it takes between getting laid off and finding your next one. You need a little uh, little padding. Yeah, no, I've never I've never had that. I've been continuously oh. employed since I was 15, so. <laughs> is, this, is this like saying you've... Uh, never been without a girlfriend. It's like one of these bragging points. Like, well, I've just never been single. I can't help it. Uh, I've been uh, laid off twice. So twice I had to get an unemployment. And, well, uh, no, there's, there's nothing wrong with it. I'm not trying to brag. I'm just stating uh-huh. as a fact. Yeah. No, you're I, not. Okay, you're not lording it over anyone that you've never had to actually Lord, sign no. up for? No, see, and, that, and see, that's... No, I would never lord it over, and I think that's part of the problem with society today. That That's looked down upon if uh, you're laid off and you need to take advantage of the 
you know, benefits like that. And there's no social safety net because it's this whole bullshit uh, bootstrap mythology we have in this country. I see. You're drifting perilously closer to naming specific organizations, groups, and news uh, stations. I hear you. Uh, yeah. But I agree with you. Let's move okay. on. So, um, yeah. Furlough. I just want to make clear I'm not trying to lord over the fact that <laughs> I, this is the first time. I'm just saying it's not something you think is necessarily you're going to ever need, but you're glad it's there. And it's um, an important system that's in place, and it should be in place. Well, it should. Everyone, I, I, I agree. You need a system like that for when people are in between jobs. It only makes sense. Like now we have a pretty crippled system trying to help people that are uh, not employed thanks to the virus. But we're not. It's neither here nor there. Let's uh, move well, on. you asked. I know. Um, I actually, on Twitter, on Easter, sent out, I don't like college humor, the site, but they did have one clip that was hilarious, I, and it was just Jesus. But I didn't realize that site was still active. I, don't, I mean, it is. I don't think okay. they're actually producing okay. anything anymore. I think they went out of business, oh. but the site is still up. And one of the videos they had on YouTube was of Jesus, if Jesus uh, held all the beliefs of the conservative party. And so it was a lot of like him walking with his followers along the banks of a river. And uh, and then he would say, thank you so much for feeding me when I was hungry and sheltering me uh, for the night. And he goes, but it was your biggest mistake because you made me lazy and entitled. (laughs) That kind of thing. And then anytime anyone's like, you know, please heal me and I'm sick. And he's like, I would, and I can, but I will not do it because then you become lazy and entitled. And you know, yeah. <laughs> it's just hilarious. So I thought that was pretty funny. Uh, for the kids, for all those kids that listen to us, Ben, explain the concept of a furlough. Cause we know what reduced hours is. You're only supposed to work so many hours and you only get paid for so many hours, which of course wasn't reality for you. Explain what a furlough is for people that are yet to have it happen to them. Well, it means I'm not working at all and not being paid at all by my company. But so, uh, it's it's not uh, like a layoff or firing. It's not like a separation. There's The idea of a furlough is that the company intends to bring you back at some point. Okay. Is that guaranteed in writing? Or is it going to be one of those things where, like, time to trim the fat, which is what they always say during layoffs? Well, yeah, I... I did get a nice letter from the company explaining the situation and it's saying it's initially going to be until May 4th and the situation will be reevaluated at that point. Um, so there's no return dates set in stone or anything like that, but that's where we are now. Got it. Actually, and I, I take it you're still fully employed there, Glenn? So far, so good, though they did talk about furlough, okay. so I don't think I'm out of the woods. Okay. Ben, uh, oh, so when you signed up for unemployment, did it tell you how much you should be getting? Like, do you know financially where you're going to be standing over the next month or so? Yeah, yeah, it told me how much I'll be getting. Yeah, I'll be fine. You're going to be fine? Holy poop. Yeah, I got more of an issue. If I get furloughed, um, I have to sign up and see what I qualify for. And then Well, and then there's an extra, the federal thing, too. What's that? Sorry, well, there's the state unemployment benefits, but then part of that big stimulus package was there's... An extra six hundred dollars a week that the federal government is going to kick in. So, oh really? Oh, I thought it depended on how much you made and all that kind of stuff. Well, that's well, good. And I also know that you can uh, put your maybe it does. I don't know actually. mortgages yeah. on hold and stuff. I know there's some options there. Credit cards are offering to be put on hold during this time and stuff. So, so it would like, be a lot of juggling on my part to try to find out how I'd be doing if and when I get furloughed as well. So stinky butts. Yeah. No, I'll be fine. I've got it. Told me how much I'm. I mean, it's not nearly like my full pay or anything like that but it's honestly um 
you know, I've been at my current job now for about eight months, and it's it was a pretty big bump in pay when I changed jobs. So the unemployment benefits <clears throat> aren't much less than I was like making full time at my last job. So yeah, well, well. it's an amount of money that I'm comfortable living on. So it'll oh, be fine. You. Yeah. Now look at Ben. So have you decided to buy a pet or anything? I mean, do you? Are you still no. talking with friends online? Uh, do you just sit in your in your apartment and stare at a wall? What do you do <laughs> in your free time? Well, I told you I have a, I have a lot of books. You, you saw my Instagram post yesterday. No, I don't. Uh, it's my stack of books. I choose not to visit your Instagram. How does that feel? <laughs> well, I mean, you you liked it. You liked I the know, photo. I'm kidding. <laughs> I like it, but I don't even read it. I don't Which, look at the photo. <laughs> yeah, I know. I, I do the same with yours. Yeah, there we go. I gotta say though, that was the uh, the most liked post I've ever made on Instagram. I have more likes on that post than I have followers. I was gonna say uh, I did look. I forget how what your number was at at the time, but I was like, look at him getting more likes than I do when I do the stupid, dumb uh, nuzzle house Instagram post. I, no, it's it's. I think it's like twice as many of, as I've gotten for any time I push out these episodes on instagram you know what the trick um, is you got well, a hot the trick is topic I, well yeah i had 14 books and i tagged every author so i think that got to, yeah just, if you're that tedious with tagging and stuff yeah. um then yeah it winds up I'll getting just, you a lot more likes like some yeah. of those people we've talked about in the past there's this one woman from brazil that i subscribe to like the like just hashtag books i just subscribe to it so it just shows up in my feed and also like podcasts and whatever else uh, and this one woman from Brazil just dominates because she's always doing sexy pictures. And I've sent those to you with books. Yeah, yeah. But she'll do the same thing. She'll just hashtag the hell out of it with every author, every conceivable idea around reading. And then she just, like, gets thousands of likes and stuff. And I was thinking, eh, that's a lot of work. Does she get paid or anything for getting this many likes? Like, what do you gain from working that hard to get that many likes? And also, like, showing off as much of your body as you legally can without getting kicked <laughs> off. Like, what do you gain from it? Except for just, like, general attention, but... I, yeah, I mean... But it's not like, like... The attention little rush you get when you see a like or whatever. Some people really get off on that, I think. And, but it seems um, so... I don't know. Look at her feed. Does she have any sponsored posts that are in there? I mean, she might be getting... I don't is know. she promoting anything? No, it's just paid. her with just random books. I mean, I don't know. Maybe she's getting free books, too. I, I have no idea. Oh, that's a possibility. Yeah. I don't know. Who knows? It just seems weird. If she's not getting anything sponsored like free books and she's not getting any money, then all she's doing is just for the anonymous likes. I don't know. Moving on. Yeah. Is that all you've been doing? Do you... Uh, yeah, wait. That's... You got books yeah. to read. Have you, like... I don't We've know. got a few little projects around home I want to take care of and some organizing I want to do oh, things well. like that I um yeah some, a couple other things on my mind so what kind of a oh like ex-girlfriends that you've unlocked the door for so that she's able to get in <laughs> uh no nothing of that sort are you sure so they're eh, just thinking about my future and thinking about your future yeah. what's going on here yeah existential crisis Ben Nah, just thinking about my next career move and uh, oh. doing some research and towards that end and I don't know, just set myself up for whatever my next move might be. So, huh? How yeah. soon do you think you'd make that career move? Because I would imagine the next year it's about businesses trying to pick up and get to where they were. I don't think they'd be hiring anytime soon, would they? Well, I mean, not 
to the extent that they would have been in the recent past. But I think you know, even in a down economy, people are still going to be hiring at some level. So hmm. um, I don't know. I think uh, when I got into my current job, I was thinking it was going to be it was never going to be a long term thing. It was going to be more of a medium term for me. I was thinking probably somewhere two to five years. I would probably say this place and then move on. Um, I think now I'm getting a little antsy and would like to push that up sooner if I could, but we'll see. In any event, I just want to kind of set myself up so I can make a move when I'm ready. Are you going to do a Joe versus the volcano thing where if there's a woman in the office you've always had a thing for and the day you leave is when you're going to finally tell her? I've never seen that movie. I'm sorry. Huh. He's accused of having a brain cloud, which is terminal. It's a Tom Tom Hanks thing. Yeah, it's a Tom Hanks movie. Was it before or after the movie Big? After the movie Big. Okay. uh, And it's also got... Before or after the movie Turner and Hooch? <laughs> after the movie Turner and Hooch. Okay. It's Wait, Tom actually, Hanks was in that, right? Was he? What, Turner and Hooch? Yeah. I thought he was. He was definitely in a okay. dog movie. I don't know if it's Turner and Hooch specifically. I, I hope <clears> I didn't <throat> make myself sound foolish by... It almost kind of weirdly he, yeah, yeah, he sounds was in like you're being a little bit disparaging of Tom Hanks. He is America's favorite actor. It seems like you're almost criticizing. Have you ever considered watching Joe vs. the Volcano? Uh, well, Turner and Hooch got a uh, 36 <laughs> as its Metascore, Metacritic.com, so, and it was a Tommy Hanks vehicle. Are you looking that up right now? Is that the reason why you uh, have that information on uh, hand? Uh, uh, yeah, no, I don't have the Metascores of every Tommy Hanks movie memorized. Right? Oh, Craig T. Nelson was in that, too. Huh. You remember him from the television show Fox, or Coach? Was, the, Coach Hayden Fox. What was the was first one you were going to say? You said fo- what? Uh, Coach. What was the word that started with well, I was going to say Fox, but he was his character's name was... Hayden Fox on the show Coach. Oh. Well, now we got to look up Joe versus the Volcano because the actress's name in that... And he's all Meg Ryan. Bosom Buddies, right? He's in Bosom Buddies. That's how I actually grew to love him because I was just a small little boy since I was born way before you. And I watched Bosom Buddies when it was on TV as a tiny little kid, not oh, understanding... Joe versus, Joe versus the Volcano came after Turner and Hooch. Is that what you said? That's what I think. It was, well, I got, well, uh, 1990. Gonna, by the way, it doesn't seem like Joe versus the volcano was very well reviewed either. I'm not going to, I'm not going to waste my time with that. Uh, let's see what the Rotten Tomato score is on it, Ben. Well, it's a 45 on Metacritic. It's a 63 percent on the tomato meter. Does that mean it's certified fresh? Uh, you know, I suppose so. That's just because of Tom Hanks. People can't see past. They, if he was in some crap, they wouldn't see past. Why can't it be Tom Meg Hanks. Ryan? This is Meg Ryan in her prime. Uh, she was uh, very delightful. <laughs> no, what was it when um, uh, Kavanaugh, uh, the woman that was that was actually brought up uh, to speak about her being uh, like sexually assaulted by Kavanaugh? What was her name? I forgot her name. Damn it! I, I don't remember. Anyways, uh, my favorite part of that entire thing, uh, that whole horrible experience, and that poor woman um, having to get up and testify and then basically be scorned, even though she's, I think, clearly telling the truth. Uh, And Kavanaugh was clearly acting as as upset as humanly possible. He looks so fake and so weird, uh, as if he was just outraged, but he really wasn't. Um, Yeah, he's a very good person. I'm going to say it. Yeah, I don't he, like I don't like that man. No, he seems like a shitty human being, and he wound up getting a sweet job because uh, the president just kind of slid him right in. And he had a, a whole bunch of Republicans. Shitty human being. Yeah, but, uh, yeah, but all the uh, all these Republicans um, 
after her testimony, uh, they were walking out, and then they were like, so what did you think of her testimony? And I forget who the senator was, but he's an older guy, and he goes, oh, well, she's uh, 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 very uh, very comely. And then he kept walking. <laughs> out wow. of her entire testimony about sexual assault, the only That's... thing you can say is that she's comely. <laughs> <laughs> Which just goes to show the nature of the kind of people that were running our government. But um, so I like to say that about Meg Ryan. Uh, she very, was comely in this movie. It's a very political episode, right? I know. Here. We're really I mean, a, lot, a lot of social commentary going on here. Well, I was actually having this conversation. Um, there was a friend I was texting with earlier today. And we have a mutual friend that we both are not too happy with. The person is kind of annoying and driving us crazy, and um, but not like crazy for real, but we're just sort of, that's what we have in common. So I was like, oh, yeah, this person did this, and isn't that annoying? And, and the friend is like, yeah, that's annoying. He's done that to me before, too. And, and we're going back and forth. And then it dawned on me, I had to say, um, I don't really care this much. I just have nothing else going on in my life. So now that we're talking about this mutual friend, it's all I've got to talk about. I have nothing else. Like the only other thing to cause any kind of excitement or drama or ups and downs is just politics because you read the news. So that's all. That's what we're doing right now, Ben. We have no other yeah. social life. We have nothing else to distract us in our day. So we get mad at Republicans. When we try well, I mean, that's not exactly a, a new development for me. No, and me neither. But to the degree that we're actually talking about on the show, this is a first because we got nothing else going on. Yeah, My okay. podcast I recorded yesterday, normally I have an intro where I say something, then I read the story, then I try to tie the story into whatever I was saying in my intro. I had nothing to say in my intro. At all. I just go, uh, I got nothing going on, let's read the story. <laughs> and at the end, I was just like, well, that was a story, I got nothing to say, so thanks for listening. So, it's, that's what's happening to me. I'm in a malaise. Well, should we instead talk about a political figure from 240 years ago? No. <laughs> <laughs> Where's that going? All right, go ahead. Well, this is, is it Genghis uh, Khan last week. Well, no, I said 240 years ago. I know. Just, I just threw ago. a name out there. Don't judge me. It's more of uh, George Washington's rules of civility and decent behavior in company and conversation. Okay, here we go. All right. Well, I, th- I thought these. Did you not find these useful last week? I mean, it's stuff I already knew. This is the founder of our nation, uh, and the he, most he's got yeah. to say is like, hey, "Don't burp and keep your finger out of your nose." Okay. <laughs> Go on. Well, then you, well, I guess you're probably not going to like this one then. <laughs> All right, let's hear it. Shift not yourself in the sight of others, nor gnaw your nails. Okay, gnawing your nails, I get. What kind of world was he living in where that was a thing that happened so frequently that <laughs> wait, he felt wait, it gnawing, needed to be... Gnawing your nails you get, but you don't get the part about, like, not like playing with your balls. Is that playing with your balls? That's what I was just going to say. The shifting yourself, like you mean in your seat? Or yeah, I think does that's the like, euphemistic don't... way of, of saying don't play with your balls. Wow. Shift yourself, the, your, you know, your, yourself. Is it? So, okay, Ben, take yeah. me back in time. Let's go back uh-huh. in time together. Whisked away to a magical world of where George uh, Washington was president. And he decided to sit down. After observing the world around him for so many years, he decided to write a book to help other people be more successful and appear better. Uh, were people grabbing their balls that often and so normally, much like man-spreading on a bus, which is like, oh, there's another guy who's man-spreading, his legs are wide open on the bus, like we see that pretty regularly. Was shifting your balls so regular and biting your nails in front of people such a regular thing, do you think, back then? 
paint a picture uh, for me, Pat. I would think so. I, w- I would think the, the colonies probably weren't as cultured as the you know, as England or whatever, and uh, he was maybe just trying to remind people of the, the benefits of, of having a little bit of culture here in the new world. Huh. So people were Perhaps. shifting their balls in public. In... I mean, that's what's implied by, by half of these tips that he's given us. I just find hey, it here, Here's another good one. Uh, cleanse not your teeth with the tablecloth, napkin, fork, or knife. But if others do it, let it be done with a pick tooth. <laughs> that's okay to do in front of other people? Well, if other people are, are using a pick tooth, go for it. But don't use the tablecloth. That's the point here. Don't use the yeah, tablecloth to clean your teeth. You know, if anything, this book is turning out to be far more interesting than I initially thought because it's really showing the world he lived in where, like a bunch of savages, they yeah. would put their fingers in their ears or nose, they would shift their balls around in public, like on the, you know, the, in, in the government areas where they're doing, proposing laws and stuff. And then during a fancy dinner, presumably with the candelabras and God knows what else, they would just suddenly grab the tablecloth and rub their mouth all over it. Like animals. Yeah, it's, it's it's a fascinating window into life in 1780s America, right? I would like to see the movie, the HBO series, John Adams, done with details like that, where you just don't look forward to a dinner scene because it's so disgusting. <laughs> or as they're passing uh, laws, someone's farting, and another guy's, like, shifting his balls around. You know, it could happen. That would have been far more interesting. Just like uh, do, we, do we want one more or no? No, go ahead. I don't, know. I, I don't have one in particular. I'm, I'm kind of reading through these. Um, drink not too leisurely, nor yet too hastily. Before and after drinking, wipe your lips. Breathe not then or ever with too great a noise, for it is uncivil. <laughs> breathe not with too great of a noise? Yeah, don't breathe too loud. Well, what if you got like a... Bunch of fucking mouth breathers back then, uh, picking their noses and shifting their balls in public and using the tablecloth to wipe their mouths. It, yeah, yeah, George Washington didn't need to. Kind of monsters with some rules here. I just like that the breathing, like the breathing, you think you have no real control over. Like maybe if you got some sort of respiratory issue and you're constantly wheezing and, you know, big, deep, crazy breaths. Like they didn't have, uh, you know, uh, inhalers back then, I guess the word I'm looking for. Uh, that's just unfortunate. Well, I mean, what about the first part of it? Do you disagree with the uh, don't drink too quickly, but also don't drink too slowly? I was going to say, so is he talking about alcohol? So is, it a, is that more of a tip on maintaining a decent buzz? Like, don't go too slow because you'll never really get a good buzz. But if you go too fast, you're going to get drunk too hard. So I don't know. Yeah, it doesn't really give the reason. It doesn't. Yeah, it doesn't tell you why you're doing this necessarily. Is it for piss escapes? I think it's in, so it's like. For, Okay, two hours, three hours from now, I'm going to want to get out of here, and I'm going to use the, the uh, excuse of having to go to the outhouse, and then I might as well just go home. So if I drink too fast, I'm meant to pee too quick, but if I don't go fast enough, it's just going to get absorbed into my thighs, and so then it's like if you do it at just the right amount, you can use it as a way to get out. Um, I don't think that's really the theme of these. It's not really tips for getting out of social situations you don't want to be in there. They're rules of <laughs> civility and decent behavior. Okay, fine. It's, it's, he's not trying to help you weasel your way out of uh, a room that you don't want to be in. Oh, my week? I got nothing, Ben. Nothing! <laughs> I'm tired of looking at that fucking cat. Oh, was cute at first. The way he'd peer at the, me from around corners. Oh, the new one? Yes, but now I'm sick of it. If anything, I'm starting to resent how 
he's affected the mood of my older cat. Ah, the way he's all sprightly and runs around. He gets behind a bookcase that I have, uh, and the bookcase kind of has an open back. And so he somehow squeezes in without knocking down any books. It gets behind it, because it's kind of in the corner of the room, so there's a little corner of the way. He'll get back there. He'll rumble around for a while, and then he'll just... Burst out. Stuck? Oh, I thought maybe you were going to say he gets stuck. He can't back out. Well, that's what I think. But I, like, I don't know how he's getting in. I've never actually witnessed it where he doesn't move a book or anything. He just slides back in there somehow. But then, yeah, he does get stuck. So what he does is he bursts out through a row of books and they go flying all over the floor. So just yesterday, I didn't know he was back there. And he must have been sitting back there for a while. Then all of a sudden just explodes through the books and they go flying everywhere. And I screamed like a little girl because I had no idea what was happening. And then he took off running. And I am so sick of this fucking cat. <laughs> so that's been my week. That and work. Well, and that's about it. Yeah. And I have literally nothing else. Yeah. I've started striking up conversations with uh, family members. Uh, my daughter got her very first uh, uh, tax return uh, from Federal okay. for $7. She, it's her first job working at a grocery store, and she yeah. uh, she got her tax return. I was like, oh, look, $7. And so I sent it to the rest of my family. I said, oh, look, my daughter got her first tax return. Isn't that cute? And uh, they're all I like, hope oh. You, hope, hope you don't have any identity thieves in your family. You're just <laughs> sharing your tax information. <laughs> I, have, I have, like, an uncle who's just like, oh, that's 7 He's just handing me the information. He's begging yeah. me to steal it. <laughs> No, but they told me that I should frame it, which is an adorable idea. But the frame is going to cost three times more than the actual check itself. So now I'm dreading it. All right, well, should we get into the book, Ben? Decided to read on the beach by Neville. Yeah, Shirley. and I'll let you talk about it a little bit because you you picked the book, and I have to admit I'd never really heard of it before. So why don't you tell me uh, a little bit about the book and why you why you chose this one? I think it was on Reddit like five or six years. It's a long time ago. It's when I first moved into this condo uh, after my divorce. And I was taking a poop, and I was on Reddit, and uh, I saw a list of good apocalypse books. And I thought, oh, weird. So I'm scrolling through them, and one that everyone kept recommending was On the Beach, over and over, saying it was written in the 50s, uh, in 1957, and um, that it's supposed to be good, just the best thing. They've never made a good movie out of it, but it's supposed to be such a great book. And so I made a note to myself, I should read On the Beach, and then forgot about it. But then recently, when you and I were starting to try to think up more books to read, not always bad ones, I was going through a list of all these books I should read, and one of them was On the Beach. I was like, oh, we should read that. Uh, so I know nothing about it uh, until I started reading it. You just knew it was a novel about an apocalypse. Basically that, yeah, I just knew that they okay. were on a beach. I thought they were on an island, but it turns out it's Australia. And that they're waiting for a radiation well, cloud Australia to come them. really is the biggest island. Yeah, I mean, isn't every continent I an know. island? Anyways. I, I know, yeah. So, written by Neville Shute in 1957, 
Uh, it's uh, about a group of people spending the last six months of their lives in Melbourne, Australia, waiting for the end of the world. Uh, and that's kind of it. They're waiting for this radiation cloud, which is in the Northern Hemisphere, where Russia, China, and America uh, have all been bombing the hell out of each other with nuclear weapons. So this toxic radiation is floating through the atmosphere and, and wiping out everyone in the Northern Hemisphere. Now it's working its way down to the Southern Hemisphere. And all these people are in Australia. They know about what's going on, and they're kind of just waiting for it to happen. So it's not just five people sitting on a beach. It's like entire cities are waiting for yeah, this toxic cloud. Yeah, it's all, all of Australia. Oh, well, all of the, the Southern Hemisphere. But yeah, this novel is set in Australia. So. Yeah. And so that's kind of all I got as a, a review of the book. Unless you got something else you want to say, but... No, I think that's just thing. I just I was just curious about how you came across this and why you suggested that. So yeah, no, nothing exciting. It wasn't like it was my mom's last dying wish telling me I should read this book, which would have a lot of meaning. And but no, this is just I was taking a poop and I was on Reddit and I saw someone mention it. So yeah, sorry, that's all I got. Well, you'd have to apologize. I wasn't expecting an exciting. Ben, I'm sorry. sorry. That was, okay, that was, that was I, I know how you, I, get. you you answered my question. I had a question. You answered it. <laughs> I appreciate that. Thank you. <laughs> Um, what does it what? start out with? It starts out with uh, some of the main people. Peter Holmes. Peter Holmes. He He's is an Australian a, gent. He is a commander of the Royal Australian Navy. He's got a wife, Mary, and a baby daughter, yep. Jennifer. Yes, uh, indeed. It starts out with him and his wife living their sweet, sweet life uh, in uh, uh, Melbourne, Australia, I think is where they're supposed to be at. Yeah, they're, they're near Melbourne, yeah. And now, so then, the first four chapters of this book aren't the most exciting. I mean, I thought it was interesting. It wasn't like the Which worst Which is thing. what we read. We read the first four chapters for this yep. episode, about, about half the book. Yeah. And it wasn't the worst thing I've ever read. It wasn't bad or anything, but it wasn't so action-packed or full of detail that it's a lot to talk about on this episode. I, <laughs> I agree. I actually, I just in general, though, I just want to say I, I quite enjoyed it. I liked it quite a bit. Yeah, it's... it's um, it's definitely not boring. They just talk about how uh, they talk about how Pete Holmes, Peter Holmes, uh, Pete Holmes. That's like a porn star, isn't it? Uh, I think that's Johnny Holmes. Isn't Pete Holmes a, uh, a comedian? Yeah, we're gonna find out, aren't we? <laughs> Are you looking for the porn star or the comedian? Oh, you're right, Pete Holmes. He's a comedian. He's a, a Christian comedian, so that's a lot of fun. Um, doesn't he start out, or he starts out with his life, talking to his wife and everything, but then he's got to go out on a ship, like his submarine, right? And he's going to so, go do a tour? Yeah, Peter Holmes, yeah, as you mentioned, he's in the Australian Navy. He hasn't really been doing anything for like six months. He hasn't had any assignments. Mm-hmm. Um, but then he gets a word from his boss that he uh, is getting an assignment. And it turns out the assignment is he's going to be a liaison on an American submarine. Um, so, yes, he's going to be a liaison. Um with uh, Dwight Towers, the American. And so they uh, uh, they become friends, Dwight and Peter. Uh, Dwight, come to my house. Meet my wife and my kid. I was going to ask, I missed the part of why more Mo- Is Moira living with them? Or is it just that she was at a party where she slept over because she drank too much? But she was, like, in the house the next morning when she, Dwight showed up. No, she doesn't live with them. She lives at her family's farm up the road. But she uh, she's a 24-year-old girl. She's rambunctious. She likes to party. Uh, she has a reputation of keeping men company when they need company. So that's why they invited her over. Yeah, a lot of this I thought was part of her own malaise because she knows that the world is ending. They all are aware that within six months that there's going to be this 
toxic uh, cloud or whatever that's going to descend upon them. And so she's just drinking like crazy because she and doesn't. That, that's generally what the first half of this book, at least, is about. is just how people are dealing with the knowledge that they're all going to succumb to radiation poisoning in about six months or whatever. And just how they're either going about their lives kind of as normal or in the ways that they're not going about as normal. And that's, would you say that's kind of the main theme of the book? Yeah, I was kind of getting a general theme of um, sort of what's the fine line between being useful and doing things that are useful and futility. So you see a lot of people like Dwight talking about his family back in America because he's married and he has a son, I believe. I think that's it. Um, um, he has two kids. He has a wife and two kids. Oh, just okay, two kids. So, but he'll talk about them as if he's going to be going back home to them, and how he wants his uh, one of his kids to join the Naval Academy and, and that sort of thing. Even though, as he's saying this to Moira when they're out on one of their dates, it's clear that his whole family is dead because they're in North America, which has been completely wiped out by nuclear weapons and radiation. So that's, there's that angle of sort of... And I think when he's talking about going on... This is a... Did we give his name yet? Dwight? Yeah, Dwight. Towers. Yeah, Captain. He's the, the submarine captain. The Commander American. Dwight Towers. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> but yeah, and I think when he talks about going home, because he says it a few times, he's like talking about heaven. Oh, I is think. he? I missed yeah, that I think altogether. Like the, I... the whole... Yeah, I think the subtext there is he's not talking about that in a literal sense. He's talking about when he's going to see his family again when he goes home but he's talking about that as like the afterlife oh because I know that Moira was a little bit weirded out as he was talking about it so maybe that's the heaven thing but he was talking about having his son join the naval academy if he can keep his grades up and stuff that's where I was like oh he just is daydreaming or fantasizing about still being able to have a life and a future with his family no I think he's he's talking about going home in, in September when the radiation cloud comes to us. Oh, right? that's the Like, that's, yeah, he's, that's kind of... So, I mean, that's, I think, kind of showing how he's dealing with it. Moira, like you said, is kind of just drinking a lot and partying, and she's lamenting the fact that she's never going to travel outside of Australia or have a family of her own. Yep. Um, yep, yep. Peter Holmes and his wife, Mary, or there's a scene where they're kind of planning a, a new garden for their home that's going to have, you know, trees that aren't going to bear fruit for years, and a vegetable garden and they're just going about that and you know they obviously know that this garden's never gonna mature but they're still just they just like talking it about and, it and that was yeah, the main thing that Dwight was saying when Moira's like it's crazy that they're sitting there talking about planting this garden and planting these trees and stuff when next summer isn't even gonna come because by September we're all gonna be dead and Dwight was saying they like to talk about gardening so just leave them alone but then you have yeah. to, so there's that's there's sort of the futility of that on one side of the spectrum, but the other side of the spectrum is sort of the practicality of, or is it practical? It's sort of like, what's the fine line? So it would be more practical to keep sending the submarines out to do reconnaissance missions to try to figure out where the, like the toxic radiation is located and trying to find out if there's any cities with anyone still living in them because they keep putting their periscope up outside of like Seattle and stuff and seeing that the cities look normal, but there's just nobody in them. They haven't gone to Seattle yet, well, unless you read ahead. No, I didn't. You're right. That's towards the end. Okay. I forget what city they They were talking about a different city where they were looking. There's just no activity whatsoever. Yeah, there are various cities on like Australia, because it's already affected the northern part of Australia. So they went to Cairns, which is on the north coast of Australia and Queensland, oh. and um, I think Port Moresby, which is um, 
not in Australia. It's in, uh, I think, Malaysia or somewhere. Where is that? It's know. elsewhere. Uh, but yeah, they're kind of sailing around like the northern part of Australia. And, oh, like, so the periscope about... is seeing that the city, it looked weird because the cities were intact because the cities didn't get bombed there. So everyone died from radiation poisoning. So. Right. But they were talking about a different, maybe it was a different ship or a previous mission of theirs where they did go up to North America along like, so, the So yeah, that's East the Coast. other ship. There's I forget what that submarine is called, but yeah, it's one that's... Uh, it's docked in Uruguay at this point, but yeah, it went up the eastern seaboard and found the same thing. So that's like a little bit more practical and less futile, but um, also... Well, and then, it, I mean, there's a practical element, like at the end of the half of the book that we read, they are planning a mission, as you kind of alluded to, to go to Seattle, because there is some weird radio activity coming from Seattle, so they're wondering if maybe somebody's alive up there or something, but... Right, we, they're talking about like putting we'll find on a, out in the second half. a radiation-proof suit and walking around trying to find whatever. So, yeah. But anyways, the point I was going to make the other the other side of uh, <clears throat> the fine line between like futility and practicality. Sending the submarines out, uh, trying to find where the odd radio signal is coming from, doesn't really matter because most of the world is destroyed. And if you find out where this one radio signal is coming from, what does that do for you? Maybe it's that they found underground bunkers. But then you can't support and help them. Another one being Douglas Frode, uh, John's great uncle, was at a restaurant that they went to. And he has a drinking problem that he had to stop because it was going to kill him. But he says, well, now the world's going to end. I'm going to sit at this really nice restaurant and drink their finest wine and die that way. Which seems more practical and <laughs> less futile. So that's kind of the theme yeah. I was getting is like, is the actions you're taking correct or right or just running around in circles trying to pretend like things aren't happening. So that yeah. was kind of Should the we, theme I got. I, I also realize we didn't mention this is taking place in, I think, 1961 is when this nuclear war occurred. So this is happening in the early 60s. That's yeah, where this is set. I think so. A little bit of context. I didn't get a specific date when I was reading it. It was 1961 is when the bombs were flying. So this is 1962 or 63 or whatever is when we we're reading. Okay. Um, so anyway... Um, but yeah, no, I agree with you. I, I think the, I was trying to figure out if, and I don't know, it's not really the point of the book, but trying to figure out if like, I think this is realistic, people's reactions in here as to how the world's going to end. I would think, yeah, it, it seems like things are kind of going about as normal. Like people are going to work for the most part. They make reference to the fact that a lot of people, there's some offices shutting down and whatnot, but it seems like most people are just going about their normal business. Which seems odd to me. I don't know. It seems yeah. like society would be breaking down to a lot greater extent to me. But I think if there was like certainty that everybody's going to die in six months, then it'd just be mayhem. I think, like, yeah, anarchy, right? Yeah. That's what I would think. I just, and yeah. So I thought that was, I thought it was kind of weird because, especially when Dwight was asking Moira, like, well, why don't you go to school and learn a trade, like secretarial work? And then she's like, why? <laughs> yeah, like, why bother? I was, yeah, so Which I, mean, I agree. Was, with. Yeah, I think I would be. I would just be drunk and shooting guns in the air for days straight until the end of the world finally happened. Probably, I think that. But seriously, though, wouldn't there be a lot of that? I don't know if this whole just yeah. going about your normal business. I don't know. Anyway, that's... it is kind of a weird. I was sort of wondering, like, is it? I mean, not that this book's bad or anything, but that angle of everyone in Australia who haven't been hit yet. And this is southern Australia, so northern Australia is already having people start to get sick and poisoned and die. Um, but the people in southern Australia that know it's very, very close, 
are still just going to work and taking the bus and the train and whatever. And like, uh, Peter had to go because his wife wanted him to pick up like a baby carriage. So he like spent the day going to get a baby carriage and everything. But at the same time, at the very end of the, these like chapter four, he talks to a chemist or, you know, drugstore clerk or whatever yeah. about, I'm going to be going on this mission and I don't know if everyone will be dead by the time I come back. I want to make sure my wife and child are taken care of. So what kind of drugs can she give the baby and take herself so that she can commit suicide before getting sick? Yeah, which they have ready to go. Yeah, but the government won't let them officially let people buy it yet. But they do have a whole program ready. Until like a week. But yeah, they they have plans for that. Which, so I guess my main concern or uh, critique was that you would think with this lead time, there's they've known for a while this is coming. They still have time. Wouldn't you think they'd be trying to build bunkers or something to ride out this thing because they they're talking about so it's like it's cobalt (laughs) radiation point and they say that they're talking about this stuff and they're saying like within like what are five to twenty years like it would be safe again so wouldn't you think they'd be like trying to make bunkers to live in for five to twenty years and then go back to the real world but so that that's the main thing that i I was kind of quibbling with here is like why are they not preparing to like at least try i know survive this but they're all they seem to all just be accepting that this is going to happen and the general attitude for society at all seems to be like well you know everyone has to die at some point and we have the luxury of knowing exactly when we're going to die yeah so i don't know no i totally agree because i thought the same thing i was like well they have months to try to come up with a plan of how to save x amount of people they even have at one point a bunch of people more or less making like a time capsule like they're writing uh yeah. events in glass and then encasing they're, it yeah they're etching them in glass and stuff and they're gonna the, put it at the, this, the highest mountain yeah they're where there's like a sealed bunker there i'm like wait go well, in the well, sealed well, bunker well, they just yeah well, why don't you put the people in there instead of this book i know this exactly glass book that you're making uh, I know. so yeah i I would think the survival instinct would be kicking in a little bit stronger. At oh, for sure. Society would be scrambling to I mean, save itself. Just look itself what people did with, like, uh, when, with, the, with the virus that we've got. Um, people's survival instincts went crazy. They started buying bottled water when you don't need to. Sink water doesn't have virus in it. You can just drink your, your tap water. Yeah. Um, same with, you know, toilet paper and everything else. So there's just kind of like an irrational struggle to survive or whatever because they're expecting, like, some sort of impending doom to come. Um this is actual impending doom for real. And nobody's like, well, there's a bunker in the mountain, so let's all go live there. <laughs> that kind yeah. of thing. Or like a we, we've got time lottery. to build more bunkers with yeah, exactly. you know, some sort of radiation shield and well, air purifier and whatever. And you always hear about the 1950s in America, how people made their own bunkers in their backyard. Uh, yeah. Like they have those weird hatches that you open up and you go inside and stuff. And they, some of them still exist. That was in the 1950s when there wasn't an immediate threat. So it's like, yeah, that, that was the one aspect of the story. It's like there's a lot less panicking than you'd expect to be seeing in real life. Yeah, I, I, I don't. Yeah. But maybe that's not the, the point of the story is uh, I'm kind of wondering if by the time we reach the end, there's sort of a, a an overall message where how the people react realistically to impending doom is less the point. And maybe there's a different point trying to be like as if this scenario of people waiting for death to come is more of a canvas to create your message on versus creating a realistic scenario of how people would actually act. Yeah, I think it is. It's just a device to kind of talk about. Yeah, device or canvas, Ben? I said canvas. Yeah. <laughs> you did, didn't you? <laughs> Correct me by saying device. It was 
Anyways. I don't like your... your my analogy? analogy? Fine. Yeah. Well, so. they... Um, they do mention uh, in this theory of it's being laid out is that China is overpopulated and is dying to get over to Russia where there's all that free space because they don't have a population problem. And yep. Russia wants China for their warm water ports and just space in general and resources. And so uh, you'd, you'd think there's room for a compromise to be reached. That there's some mutual beneficial interests. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but instead... Just talk to each other, people. A little, dis- little diplomacy here. Eh, it was Come the on. 1950s. Uh, yeah. You're either communist or you're not. Actually, China and Russia were both communists at the time, weren't they? Why would they bomb each other? I never questioned that before. This is in the 60s well, or in the 50s. Yeah, they, they were... Well, they said that they were you know, allies. Yeah, Russia so. was China's only ally at that point, so that was... It's yeah, a weird they, they mentioned that choose to bomb each other. Uh, Russia, I have I wrote down the well, Russian cobalt bombs. I don't think that's the, the little bit of information they had. I don't think that's how the world started. I think it was just more of an opportunistic thing because it sounded like the Egyptians had some Russian bombers and they bombed like London and Washington with it, yeah. and that's kind of how it all started. Yeah, but I don't again, know if that's they're a, not entirely sure. I got that written down as the U.S. bomb Russia by mistake. Well, the same as Russia used cobalt because of less radiation, they can settle their people. Uh, both Russia and China thought that the fallout would go the other way around the world and not be a problem by the time it reached them again, uh, which seems weird. Because uh, then why would it be a problem by the time it swirls around the Earth enough times they reach the southern hemisphere? And well, they just overdid it. I Australia. think the idea was they were just going to strategically bomb a couple of cities or whatever and be more pinpoint, but then it just turned it all out. Oh, okay. Lobbing all of their nukes at each other. Sure. Because at some point they were talking about... They were talking to the scientists about what happened, and he said that based on like seismic activity, they counted at least forty-seven hundred yep. nuclear bombs went off, yep. and there were possibly more. Yep. Um, um, but they, I think the idea was with taking Shanghai or whatever, it was just going to be like one bomb over Shanghai, and then they would be able to move in oh, in five okay. years or whatever. But yeah, it was that just makes more it, sense. It, it things got a little out of hand. Yeah, that makes more sense. Uh, the yeah. U.S. bombed Russia by mistake. They were tripped by the Egyptians that sent long-range Russian-made bombers to D.C. The first bomb was from the Albanians on Naples. Uh, Tel Aviv was bombed next, but no one knows by whom. And the British and Americans intervened and sent a demonstration flight over Cairo. That's when the Egyptians sent bombers to Washington, D.C. and London. Hard to stop the conflict. Main problems about why is because all the statesmen were dead. Junior yeah. officers were making decisions when the attacks were coming in fast. Uh, the consensus being that the smaller countries were highly irresponsible, and that's why it completely flew out of control. Yeah, yeah, because the uh, the nuclear bombs are too cheap. Anyone could get their hands on one. Anyway, I don't think any of this is really what the book's about, though. I think it's more just you know like what I it said, is about. It, it's about people dealing with their own imminent mortality. No, but it's interesting uh, trying to play yeah. out this like theater of world events and why we get to the yeah. way it is. That is kind of interesting. So that's the reason why we wrote it all down. Uh, yeah. They also mention, and I don't—I actually didn't look up if this is true. I'm sure it's true, or else he wouldn't have put it in the book. But, or maybe it was an idea at the time that was true that maybe is not so true now. But they keep uh, referring to radiation poisoning as a cholera-like symptom, which involves nausea, vomiting, diarrhea, bloody stools, the possibility of slight recovery, which is only temporary. Then death occurs from exhaustion, infection, or leukemia. Um, I watched Chernobyl, the HBO show. Yeah, I was going to say that most of my knowledge of radiation poisoning comes from the HBO miniseries Chernobyl. Exactly. And what I thought was so interesting, not that it was cool or anything, uh, didn't want that to come off weird, 
What I thought was so interesting was that um, they would be really sick and vomiting and weak and horrible and then actually go for like a week or so of feeling okay. So yeah. there's that scene where like the wife comes in to go visit him and his friends, they're all playing cards in the hospital and they have radiation poisoning. And yeah. they're like, you're pregnant. Don't go in there. Don't go anywhere near those guys. But she does anyways. Um, and he seems fine. But then later on, it wasn't cholera-like symptoms. At the very end, his skin was pale white and sloughing off his face. It was disgusting. I was actually yeah. eating macaroni and cheese at the time that I watched that scene. I couldn't finish what I was eating. So I don't know how true this is. But, I mean, yes, it was like the tumors and skin falling off, and it was just disturbing and gross. Yeah, it sounds unpleasant. Yeah, definitely Anyway, is. Anyway, yes, I said. But uh, then that's kind of it. One thing that I thought was funny is uh, growing up in Minnesota, there's a, so- uh, there's a town called Montevideo uh, in western Minnesota that I would always have yeah. to drive through to get to my grandma's house growing up. So I'm very aware of Montevideo. My mom, who lived out there with the grandparents, uh, called it Montevideo with a lot of ease. And uh, my sister and I used to make fun of her. Ah, you're just, it's video, like a video story. Pronounce well, it like I an think- idiot. But here, Montevideo, Montevideo, I know, which makes me laugh because nobody in Minnesota ever got the probably the proper name. Like when that town was established, they were probably that was back in a time when I heard this from my dad. A lot of small towns across the country would basically create themselves as sister cities with older towns in Europe. So you would have like, I don't know, a town in Minnesota called Montevideo, and the sister city would be Montevideo uh, out in what Uruguay, and or South America, so whatever. It's like whatever these yeah, areas are, so. and then they would. It's not like a partnership where they give each other money or anything. It's just kind of in name only. Like, hey, we're a sister city here in America to this other place that's been established a long time ago. Uh, and I love that over the years, Montevideo turned into Montevideo, then Montevideo. <laughs> I've totally never me heard of video though. I've never heard oh, that. Oh, my! Everyone, my mom, my grandma, everyone in Appleton, Minnesota, they all pronounce it that way, which used to just crack us up because oh. morons. Video. Yeah. But anyways, we're the morons. It was video. So yeah. What do I learn? Eh, that was the only note I made about that. Uh, but otherwise, oh, did you did you listen to this book? Is that how you got that? Yeah, I don't okay. have time to read lately. Uh, it's all work, kids, gotcha. and yard work. So I've just been listening to the books. Okay. Uh, so I actually get the correct pronunciation of things sometimes, which is the one upside. Otherwise, I lose small details about other stuff. But uh, Dwight and Moira have a whole thing about pogo sticks, is what I made a note about, because she wants to have kids, so she saved all her childhood toys to give to her children someday, which will never happen yeah. now. Yeah. Uh, they talk about how maybe if someone were to live in Antarctica, that the radiation would not be as strong by the time it reaches down there so that's kind of something people are talking about well and I guess we should mention the other thing that they're kind of talking about there's a theory floating around towards the end of the section that we read where they're saying that maybe like the snow and rain in the northern hemisphere is kind of washing the radiation out of the air quicker quicker than they thought it would and Mm -hmm. so they're thinking you know the land would still be poisoned you can't live on the land because all the radiation is getting washed out of the sky and just <clears throat> falling on the ground but maybe the oceans might be okay so that's part of the reason that they're going to Seattle also is to kind of see what the air levels of radiation are around there and then also uh, trying to track down this radio signal so sure. I don't know do you think I'm, I'm curious to see what happens in the second half of this book do you think there's any hope that anyone's going to survive here I mean it seems like there's a 
Well, Door is being left slightly open, but I don't know. That is a great question to ask me again as we go to the section where we wrap up this book. So, Ben, you were just asking, yep. what uh, is there any hope for these people in the previous segment? Yeah, it seems like the author's leaving the door open a little bit to see it. I, I'm wondering if anyone's going to survive. Are there, is there going to be some... Is the radio signal coming from Seattle a, a beacon of hope? Or is humanity as doomed as everyone thinks it is? I, I don't know. Yeah, well, like so we were I'm saying... I'm curious to see what happens. Um, that it's was sort the other of, thing about the rain. Everything? Was they saying, like, the rain and the precipitation might kind of scrub the radiation out of the air. Now, if it's doing that, it's going to end up on the ground, but so the, the ground ocean, would still it just be goes to the ocean open. floor. Like maybe, yeah, I don't know. Maybe you could live on a cruise ship for <laughs> five years. I don't know. I was just going to say, cause you'd think the ocean would be irradiated because it would, if the rain beat it down into the ocean, then what it sinks to the ocean floor or something, it would get all those Whoa. fish pretty much toxic. So you can't survive off fish on your water world like scenario. The ocean's pretty big, though. I'm wondering if they're saying it'd be diluted enough. I don't know. Yeah, that's a good point. Well, I'm not a scientist. Why am I trying to act like I know? Uh, I don't know. Why are you? I'm agreeing with you as if I know what I'm talking about, but I don't know what I'm talking about. I'm just saying there's, there's signs a couple. And of then hope, also, ben. we didn't mention signs of the hope. dog. But is hope dangerous? I don't know. Yeah, that's what the one thing that they're doing here. Uh, what's know? what's practical? What's futile? What's, uh, is, there, is there hope in science that... Uh, but also, I think the way they're describing in this book, Australia is pretty much screwed because Northern Australia, people are already sick, and they said that if you well, and just dead, like they're already they're dead, and they're not getting in. any um, like people immigrating or you know refugees or anything coming from the north down to the yeah, south. Yeah, which they they actually yeah they mentioned that and they said they were a little surprised, but they're saying well, people know they're going to be dying soon anyway, so why? Yeah. Be a refugee in Melbourne for two months when you can just die more comfortably at home. Yeah, right. And exactly. that is the mindset they're saying there. So, Yeah. So, interesting so far. Uh, so, you said you liked the book so far. Yeah, overall. And I think when I was reading it, I was kind of comparing it to uh, Starship Troopers. <laughs> Why is that? Well, because, you know, another book boys pick, first of all. So, I always try to... Tie things together that way. Um, I think they were both trying to maintain the franchise. The, I hear you. Yeah, they're both written generally the same time period, and both had you know sort of a, a military theme to them a little mm, bit. But sure. this one is so much better and more interesting to read than Starship Troopers. Starship Troopers is so boring and tedious. It, yeah, the word. Whereas tedious this one is just like it talks a little bit about the nuclear Armageddon, and it talks a little bit about the the life on the submarine or whatever, but it doesn't go into this just tedious level of detail that Starship Troopers did with everything. Oh, so, I um, I, yeah, so I guess like I was a little worried that maybe this is going to be like Starship Troopers, but it was not so no, far. And it's it turned just, out yeah, okay. I've, I've, I've enjoyed it overall. I think it's, it's interesting funny. and well-written and, and nice pace. I mean, like you said, like That's it's not like action packed or anything, but it's nice. Yeah kind of developed characters and everything so yeah you're not bored reading it like we we're no. saying there's there's other books you read that are usually ridiculous books where a lot happens in every single chapter because they're just trying to cram as much story as they can and keep you excited like 
The Twilight Saga? Uh, well, weirdly, well, the Twilight yeah, Saga has a lot of annoying detail that you and I want to call yeah. out. That's part of the reason why I keep saying this over and over. That's part of the reason why I always go chapter by chapter, because there's so much annoying shit in each chapter. It's worth yeah. breaking down. I suppose. But in books like this, it's not, because uh, there is detail, and there is, but, like, Twilight has no action and yeah there's no point there's no action there's no excitement there's no there's nothing interesting in every single chapter it's just repetitive as hell and annoying but um this one uh each chapter it does have a good pace you don't get bored and i think that's kind of the bellwether for any book i read is am i annoyed like do i feel like it's a struggle to get through this and this one i didn't at all like i was it was a pleasure to uh have it going the whole time so yeah and i think i've been finding myself getting invested with the characters yeah and just i know he seeing. does do a good job at like uh without giving shit like uh, like unlike stephen king everyone loves stephen king and i get it but i get annoyed at the extreme amounts of character development that lead up to yeah. the last 25 percent of the book you actually get into like the the premise and you finally yeah. get into the story um but here it's like you're getting a feel for the characters kind of organically and you're not uh you know struggling to make them someone to care about like you actually kind of generally care about them so it's been pretty interesting and i think he does a good job the author does of not writing too much of leaving certain things unsaid and you just yeah kind of exactly. connect the dots yourself and he gets you well yeah, yeah. That's, that's nice yeah and part of it is like well with moira um she she's drinking a lot and she's like you know like we said she's like out meeting men and doing whatever and so any other writer that we've read anyways would just say okay well she's a drunk you know slutty woman yeah Um, but here without really spelling it out over the top just drops enough seeds to show that no she's this way lately because of the kind of futility of you know what life is like grieving the loss of a future that she's ever going to get to have. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, and she may have had touches of drinking too much and wanting to go out and have fun in the past, but not to the extent that she is now. So she's not the yeah. thing that he's painted as now. So yeah. that's kind of what makes you like just organically kind of uh, accept who she is and be interested in her. So yeah, it's been pretty good so far. Yeah. So I'm, I'm looking forward to finishing it up. And... Well, anyways, Ben. Um, yes. So we're going to read part two next week. Yes. And do that. Yes. Right. And then after that, you had mentioned <clears throat> that what we do is we would each read a book that we'd like, and then, because uh, you can't really order any and go pick any up. And yeah, then, I think this this came about out of necessity, this idea, because I think a couple of things we talked about involved the two of us going to the store and picking out books off the shelf, uh, which we can't really do right now. And especially also, at grocery store, li- yeah. Libraries, the libraries are closed, so I, I don't really want to, like, buy copies of twilight or whatever i prefer to try and <laughs> yeah. get stuff from the library if it's something i'm gonna hate so yeah i think uh now um i do have a stack of books out there i've been sitting on my sitting on my shelf that i've been wanting to read for a while so i thought maybe work through some good books and we could each just read whatever we want and <clears throat> give brief reviews of the books back and forth to each other and then set a little quarantine banter ben Sounds like a great idea. And I even got myself uh, a copy of a book by Thomas Ligotti, who is an author that I read one of his books years ago called The Conspiracy Against the Human Race, uh, which is he. So this author is a believer in uh, philosophical pessimism, meaning 
there's no point while we're alive, and there's no point to keep living. And uh, what he wrote became basically the baseline for the first season of True Detective, if you ever saw that show on HBO. I did. The first and third seasons were pretty good. The second season was garbage. I know. Great acting. Horrible story. But yes, I, I totally agree. But yeah, the first season was really good because of like The King in Yellow. I think you and I talked about that. That's an actual book, and it's this weird fantasy thing written a long time ago, like pre-Civil War. Um, And for its time, was pretty progressive and pretty crazy, uh, considering when it was written. Uh, So it was partially that, and then also a lot of stuff from Thomas Ligotti. Um, Basically the idea that we... uh, He lays down the foundation of how primitive human beings are supposed to be than how we've constructed this kind of fantasy world of social interactions and expectations and then businesses and cities and social stuff around that and how we've made ourselves miserable in this sort of matrix style fake world we've created for ourselves when all we should be doing is hunting and mating and pooping and that's what makes us happy anyway so at the end of that you start out there then you get to the thing where multi-dimensional creatures are forcing us to be miserable so they can feed off us for their own existence and then it ends with the only way to escape this horrible cycle is to kill yourself. <laughs> and so, and then gives all these examples of other famous uh, pessimists who have killed themselves. And uh, the book's just kind of telling you to go kill yourself. And so that was okay. horrible. I would never read yeah. that again. Um, okay. I wouldn't recommend it to anybody. Uh, but he did write a book called My Work Is Not Yet Done. And it's about a person who works in an office as a project manager and he's always paranoid about how people think of him in the office, and he's always paranoid about getting fired. And then he finally does get like laid off, which feeds into his paranoia, and then begins this descent into madness or whatever. And it's supposed to be just as dark and crazy or whatever. Uh, and I thought, okay, so I bought it, and I got it as a book book, and I was going to read it. I even started reading a little bit, and I'm like, oh, this is good stuff. This is real dark and real gritty and real good. But then it dawned on me, you're reading a good book, I'm reading a book I think I'm probably going to like. Who wants to hear that? I'm thinking, good book, bad book. You read the good book, I go find another smutty romance novel. Because I'll download the books. Unlike you, you're going to read stuff that you want to read, and you're limited to that. But I'm not limited to anything. I can go download whatever crap book as to offset whatever good thing you're reading. Okay, we can try that if you want. I mean, I feel a little bad about that. I, I... You having to subject yourself to a terrible book by yourself. I mean, that's I mean, <laughs> book boys stick together, if anything. Right? But what if, what if, so well, this let's is just, let's just, let's try it. I'm on board. Okay. So good book, bad book. I have no problem yeah. downloading bad books. They're like $2 okay. on the Kindle. It's not a problem. Right. If you want to do good books, like that's fine too. I think we can. Nah. Yeah. Anyway. I mean, I have no problem reading the book I got on my own. And then maybe, you know, we could do a switcheroo. Okay. But, yeah. I mean, unless, unless your mom would mail you. Some because all moms have romance novels. No, she she reads actually good books. So my mom used to read good books, but she also read smut in the nineties when she was single. Yeah, no, I don't think my mom does. She and I exchange books regularly. We have similar tastes. So does she have a you know a secret library? Not that I'm aware of. <laughs> Is there like a false panel in the bathroom wall <laughs> you can remove? And there's like the secret books. I, I, kind of doubt it, but uh, I don't know. Right, fine. I'm sure she'll let us know. (laughs) Okay, fine. Well, Ben. Yeah. So that was the first half of On the Beach. You liked it, I liked it, and uh, we'll see how it all ends up. So I will uh, see you next week. Are you going to scream the... Hey, it's kind of nice because...
It didn't blow my ears out. That's good. Thanks to the internet. The internet yeah. does it again. All yeah, right. Well, thanks so. for listening. Uh, yes. 